Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hello, welcome to this Talent Parent Programme podcast episode. This is the final episode of a three-part mental health series. For previous podcasts in this series, we've talked about helping children to manage stress and to learn about self-care and how to talk to children if you're concerned that they might be struggling. Today, we're going to talk more about mental health conditions when it might be important to get professional help and what that might look like. So joining myself with discussions on this topic area today is Imogen Collins, who's the Canoe Sprint Talent Pathway Coach. Hi, Imogen. Hi, Dan. Hi, Imogen. And I'm also joined by Sophia Campbell, who is the Safeguarding Lead and member of the mental health team of British Canoeing. Hi, Soph. Hi, Dan. Hi, it's great to have you both with us. Um, so what I'm, um, we've had some great discussions on previous mental health episodes and um, this one, I hope we'll have some more continued interesting discussions. So Soph, I'm going to come to you first. Um, we've mentioned in previous podcasts that general awareness and mental health has improved dramatically and young people are far more informed about it. Um, but to, to start things off really, what's the difference between mental health and mental health conditions? Uh, yeah, great question. So mental health is a term that we tend to use to dis- describe a whole spectrum of well-being from uh, you know being happy and well, down uh, through maybe having ups and downs and struggling to the more serious end of where we would might consider someone to have a mental health condition so with that term mental health condition we tend to mean what we'd call a clinically diagnosable condition so something that a doctor or a psychologist um, could identify as being a mental health condition and that would normally be diagnosed via Uh, clinical tests or certain criteria um, that would differentiate you know someone struggling uh, to what would be a mental health condition they can be acute or chronic so if you think about things like stress or depression and anxiety um, there are definitely types where you might have quite short-term difficulties and some people unfortunately struggle much for much longer periods of time Um, And certainly disorders like bipolar disorder, mania, schizophrenia even um, can be acute and can be chronic. They tend to be uh, slightly more complex to manage and can require quite a lot of of care for those kinds of disorders. Now, I often get asked things like whether mental health conditions are something that's genetic or kind of biological versus whether it's something that is learned and environmental. Now, I'm not a clinical psychologist myself, but from the training I have had in psychology and mental health, my understanding is that's generally an interaction between both of those things. And we'll talk a bit more about um, situational things that can impact your mental health. Um, But yeah, we should be really clear, I think, that none of us on this podcast are doctors or clinical psychologists. So we can't go into too much detail necessarily of disorders, but hopefully we can... um, cover some of the important bits and some of the support routes available. Great, thank you. That's um, provided a bit of a sort of overview there of the, the difference what, between mental health and mental health conditions. 
Um, I'm going to bring Imogen in now. Um, so what might you see from a child or young person experiencing a mental health condition? I think that there's the common thought that when a child is experiencing a mental health condition, that they're very withdrawn and separate themselves from a lot of situations. This actually isn't always the case from my experience. You actually sometimes get that that child becomes a lot needier and kind of wants your time and needs that person that they can, can communicate to around things that might have might be very different to what you'd usually have. So yes, you do have some that really separate themselves from groups. They take a, a lot longer to, to do simple processes and they just, you can see them overthinking. But there are some that go down the route of full fire, full force, that everything is going constantly because they are almost trying to do so much to ignore some of the other issues that are going on within, within their head at times. There's also things around like physical things that you can see, obviously, um, when we talk about areas like self-harm that can come as a consequence of certain mental health areas, um, you can see people changing their clothing that they might wear, wearing lots of long sleeves, even when it's warm weather, and, and very conscious that they're trying to cover up things. So being able to have an awareness of that is, is quite important. And over fanatically thinking about things. <clears throat> I quite often get it where if there is something going on around an eating disorder, the athlete will will become very fascinated with food, asking lots of questions, looking at the, the calories and, and all the information of it, and just very different to how a lot of that the, uh, the paddlers in the environment might be. So you can just see that there's there's something else going on. The simple process of eating is no longer a simple process. They're thinking about it a lot more. They're they're aware and they're conscious of what they're doing. And in some some say places, you might just get athletes that are very clearly choosing not to eat in in public places or or just not eating at all. Um, so you can be aware of that. Yeah, I think that's really useful, Imogen, because sadly, eating disorders are one of the mental health conditions that are quite common, relatively common in young people. And unfortunately, in an athlete population, it is something that's quite relevant to their daily life. So it's quite um, quite common that people can become a bit preoccupied with that stuff. Um, I think you also mentioned general change, a change in behaviour, um, whether that's withdrawing or needing more support from from yourself or others around them um i think generally when when something becomes a mental health condition a big part of the criteria that a doctor might look at for potentially diagnosing a condition um, would be the extent to which a change in mood or behavior is impacting someone's daily life um, and whether that is something that's been happening for a prolonged period of time that's the point when a doctor might think okay this is worthy of a diagnosis and hopefully some treatment and support around that. And we've talked in the previous podcasts about, um, particularly for young people, you know, adolescents, that fluctuations in mood and behaviour is often normal. So I don't think parents need to panic if they're observing stuff like that. Um, but it's it's just a good good thing to be aware of and to try and check in if you are noticing those kind of things. 
it's also probably worth flagging that mental health conditions can be associated with or triggered by significant life events or you know traumatic life events um so potentially things like bereavement or relationship breakdowns in the family can obviously be quite difficult for young people um and sometimes eating disorders you know might be triggered by having had a traumatic experience with a food item um so it's certainly not every child that experiences those things will then go on to have a mental health condition um but it's probably worth just just flagging that to parents in case you know if there is something like that going on to just be mindful and maybe give a bit of extra care to their child at those times yeah as often i find this a really interesting subject for myself um at the age of 18 sadly my mum got diagnosed with breast cancer for a second time and during her chemo process my father had an affair and and left the family in the time i was needed to kind of look after my mum so i stepped right into that and tried to do the best thing i could it wasn't till about two years later when it probably really hit me everything that had happened and i i spiraled into a bit of a depression um i was really fortunate that i i still had sport and when i first went to the doctors to, to discuss this that was the first thing they said do you do sport and i was like yeah i do a lot of it um and then i went through the process of counseling and uh, i was put onto medication and and i still work through it now but it was very much a case of in the time i had to be proactive in doing other things mm -hmm. a couple of years later there were some really clear signs that i wasn't in the right place due to what had happened two years prior mm. Thank you. That's a great example. Thank you for sharing. And it's good to hear that you felt able to go and seek that help. So it's another probably good message to parents is if you do notice something's not quite right, um, the sooner you can take that step and try and get the support, the better, really. And I would also say, along with that, is if you go and get the support, don't be embarrassed of admitting it. That's probably been my biggest learning as a coach for my athletes, because I've been really comfortable to admit I've had to go through these processes and, and I've been open about my story. The athletes very much feel comfortable to admit if they need this sort of support. And it, it's just, I know that there's certain parents that don't necessarily feel like they can tell their children that they have potential um, depression or mental health areas that they aren't so strong in mm. but actually just our openness really helps the the athletes and the and the children to to understand that it's not an issue a mm. bad issue if you do the right things to work mm. with it so yeah thanks a lot um for, for sharing that imogen um and your personal experiences there and and, and thanks actually to, to both of you uh, just explaining some of the signs and symptoms of mental health conditions um i think that's really important um to share so that parents uh, can understand um potential signs and symptoms um so imogen um moving on slightly um what's your experience of mental health conditions amongst young people as a coach so um do young people and parents or carers share any such conditions with yourself and, and if you if they do how do you help support them 
So when I think about this, I go back to about four years ago. Four years ago, we were in Portugal on a training camp and we had multiple injuries. Uh, I think we had someone dislocated their shoulder, someone sprained their ankle. Um, there was another one, can't remember what it was. Maybe a nut, there was someone who had an allergic reaction to nut. And I remember coming away from this trip being like, oh, I've, I'm in charge of the trip. I've got to do all this writing up of all of these things that have happened. So we made the, for the next year, we actually swapped around and I became the welfare lead for the trip and someone else took on the lead of the trip. I ended up, there were no injuries on this trip, but we actually had three athletes who were in a very difficult situation with mental health. And from that point, I realized how prominent it is becoming, um, working with 14 to 21, 22 year olds, I am seeing it just become more and more common. And in some ways, that's a good thing because it means that we are offering the support and we are open to admitting that things might not be right and therefore we want to be able to work on them. However, it is obviously very hard to know all the steps and and make sure that the provision is there for, for the juniors and I'm sure as a parent to be able to to stop that and, and to help them through the next processes. I've been very lucky, as I said earlier, that I do have a number of athletes that I've actually supported through the process of, of going to speak to a doctor to get diagnosed. Um, at times, they've felt more comfortable talking to me and I have therefore explained to them that that's something that I will need to pass on to others. Um, but being able to act as a support has really helped them not be scared of the processes. And it doesn't, doesn't make them less of a person. In my eyes, going admitting that you've got a mental health condition actually makes you a stronger person because you're able to see that you need help. As many people say, if you take, if you had a, a stomach, a headache, you take paracetamol. So why would it be any different if you were feeling a little bit under the weather mentally? Um, so good to hear that from someone who is a high performance competitive coach i feel like the probably old school attitudes uh, from coaching definitely at the top level have not been so um inclusive to mental health conditions so it's nice to hear that you have been open and actually see it as a strength almost yeah well you, you train your body why wouldn't you train your mind to be in a better yeah. place so i think yeah. It is very, very much an open conversation in all groups that I work with. Um, no one should feel judged. No one should be feel uncomfortable to admit that they might not be feeling at their top self. And I think that there are a number of areas. I think anxiety is a big thing that is shown. If you have to be put in high pressurized situations, it's very clear. Um, like processes, even this weekend, going away to a trip, you could see the difference between people that were overthinking and people that were just able to get on and do it. You can, there's really clear signs and all that you can do in that instance is just lend them like a helping hand, mm. let them know that they're safe, let them know that there's no judgment. And then hopefully they'll be able to go out and perform. And, and like I say, the environment is so key. So creating that environment of like security so mm. that if, if things don't go to plan, they don't have to feel lost and alone. They've got everything they need around it. 
Yeah, th thanks, Imogen. I think that's a really, really great example there and uh, of how you as a coach have, have adapted and understand um, the, about mental health and, and how that can affect youngsters um, within the group and, and so on. Um, so do you have any advice for coaches um, that might not have had that experience like you have um, and might be told about a mental health condition by a child or young person? The first thing that you will regularly get when talking to a young child is don't tell anyone about this. Don't tell anyone about this. And if you have to be very open and honest that you are going to have to tell someone else. And that is not because you're not taking seriously what they're saying. It's actually because you have to protect them and protect yourselves. So really, really important that you do speak to someone. Um, if you as a coach or a parent are aware, um, so you've got safeguarding officers so really make sure that you're taking that opportunity to speak to someone whether it's in club environment or through bc or or any other area that you might think is going to be beneficial to make sure that someone else knows yeah that's that's a great point imogen i think it's worth also saying for co any coaches listening that if you feel you need to share the problem you know if you have a concern about the the child or young person that explaining that to them as Imogen's said but also asking for their consent in the first instance because quite often children understand that need to pass something on and when it's explained to them that they are comfortable with it and you've reassured them that it will be managed you know very sensitively usually that's fine um, I think sometimes you might have scenarios when people still really don't want you to share anything um, and in those cases, I would say it's still important to share with someone anonymously, you know, if the child doesn't want to be identified, to get some support with next steps and to make a call assessment on whether there is a risk of harm that actually you do need to speak to a parent or someone else. So you should never feel alone in making a decision about that kind of thing. And I think it's also around your mental health as well. Mm. I know that for me, where I'm saying that mental health is becoming a more prominent thing, I'm getting more and more athletes coming to me with their issues and I want to be able to support, but I can't support unless I'm in the mental health space to be able to give them the right support. So being able to share in, in a respectful manner kind of takes some weight off your shoulders. Otherwise, I, I've had experiences where it's just been too much at times and I've therefore crumbled a little bit and not been able to offer the correct support to them because I've not been able to offer it to myself first. So just by sharing that information as a parent or a coach, you are going to be able to support them in a, in a far better way. And I do think there's also so much information online uh, that coaches can read up on. So you've got Mind, you've got Young Minds. The NHS has got some great information and it really signposts you to the relevant professional help that might be needed for the athletes. Remembering that you are a parent or a coach, you aren't the professional. There are people that have the position to be able to support. You are vital though in that process of starting the next steps to get the athlete help. Yeah, we've talked about um, encouraging people to see a doctor if they're really concerned about their mental health. So that's, straightforward in terms of making a GP appointment 
it's also worth mentioning, I think we covered these in another podcast, but I'll just say again, there, there is these days via the NHS the opportunity to self-refer yourself for mental health support via what's called IAPS, Improving Access to Psychological Therapies. Um, we can share the link with this podcast, Dan. Um, and that's that's a system where you fill in the form on the website and you'll receive a call back from some local support services that's relevant to whatever you might be experiencing. Um, also for, for athletes aged 16 to 30 uh, who are competing at a national and international or international level, um, there is a really good charity called Sporting Minds who can also offer free mental health support. Um, that again is a self-referral form on their website which we can share um, so both of those really useful resources if you're not comfortable necessarily going to the GP. Yes uh, absolutely um, so those those um, organisations that um, you two have just mentioned there um, they're available to um, search um, on our talent parent programme webpage on the additional information and resources section and um, so we'll provide the links to, to those organisations um, so going back, talking about, speaking of advice to coaches, um, Soph, do you have any advice with regards to working with people who are actually neurodiverse? Yeah, that's a great question. Neurodiversity, I think, is a relatively new term, um, and it's similar to the term neurodivergent, and that describes conditions like ADHD, autism, Asperger's, dyspraxia, um, they're, they're conditions that we would consider to be developmental rather than mental health conditions, which is an important distinction to make when we're talking about a mental health um, on a mental health podcast. Uh, the reason that terminology has changed is because the community is trying to move away from treating those conditions as medical conditions that require treatment and actually seeing it more as um, just part of the diversity of, of humans, you know, and not something that needs to be fixed necessarily. It's just kind of a different way of, of processing information in the world. And that's, that's fine, you know, we're all different. Um, but I think it is important to make the point that people with those conditions, unfortunately do have a slightly higher risk of mental health condition. Um, we don't know, I don't think the research necessarily knows why, but it's likely that that's a result of, um, you know, environmental factors and experiences they might have in their social lives. Definitely for young people at school, it can be quite a challenge um, if you have one of those conditions and you don't necessarily have the right support around you. So if you if you are a parent that has a child that might have a, a neurodivergent condition, it's definitely worth being extra aware of their mental health and sensitive to that and um you know make sure you're you're vigilant to signs and symptoms that could quite easily be confused with you know a sign or symptom of the developmental condition which might in fact be a mental health issue that could be um supported with some treatment um so again the advice would be if you if you're concerned about that to see a doctor um talk it through with your gp and see what what support there is out there. Um, I think in terms of coaching, that was your question, wasn't it? Advice for coaches. Um, if if coaches do have children in their groups with 
a condition like that or the parent may have made them aware of that it's just really important to try and be inclusive in your practice you know that's what we would advise all coaches to try and be supportive to the individuals that they're working with um, and someone with a mental health condition or a neurodivergent condition is no different it's about listening to what that individual needs listening to what the parents and carers might think is appropriate for that child and just doing whatever you can within reason to support them and give them the best chance to enjoy and thrive in the sport I think as a coach as well having the parents contact you it gives you that little bit more information and it doesn't make you change anything that you do apart from adapting it really productively to what they need um i i have a child within my group whose whose parents have told me of a of a slight uh, neurodivergence and it's it's helped me to make sure that i'm giving feedback at the right time because he can't necessarily process it at other times therefore it makes the session more productive it's not a negative it's just an adaptation that i'm having to make as a coach and i, I it makes a really big difference and i also think as a coach my big emphasis and i'd never really thought about it before till quite recently um <clears throat> a young girl is looking at going uh, who is looking to be diagnosed with adhd she is going through the processes um and she has concerns about the next steps and the next steps are whether there is a decision around uh, being put on medication for ADHD. I hadn't really thought about this before, but actually she's come to me and asked the question of what can I actually go on? Is getting diagnosed with ADHD and being put on medication going to hinder my performance because of the UK anti-doping stuff? Well, no, if you come to us and have that conversation at British Canoeing, we have loads of people who can help make the right decisions around supporting the process after getting the diagnosis and getting the medication that you might need um it should not stop you at all and it allows you to get the therapeutic use exemption t-u-e i'm pretty sure i've got that one right which basically means that if you've been taking it prior to competition that's fine it can be backdated as long as you've done it through the doctors but it also means that we're aware and that will be taken into consideration if you ever are drugs tested to make sure that there is an understanding that it might be something but you have a, a reason to to be on it and so actually it's been really interesting and eye-opening for me to think about that side of it rather than just the diagnosis but also thinking about the next steps that come with it but i also think when it comes to things like neurodivergent conditions take them as a super strength um don't ever think that they are going to hinder your performance if you if you work with them properly having adhd brilliant you've got that little bit extra energy so you can just go to the finish line that little bit more autism the way that you process things you're going to go into that finer detail that's not a problem don't be thinking that it's a problem uh, an issue always think of it as a super strength in my eyes that's a great point, uh, Imogen, and, and two fantastic examples there. Um, a first one of how you sort of adapted your coaching practices to um, for understand the needs of an individual in your group that's neurodiverse. That's really, really important. And and that second example there of, of how that, that athlete has thought about 
anti-doping as well. Um, yeah, as you mentioned here at Bridge Canoeing, um, if you're you as a coach listening to this and um, got an athlete that's in a similar sort of position, um, yeah, please feel free to approach either um, Talent Pathway coaches or our anti-doping lead officer, Gemma Wiggs, and she'll be able to take you through the process around anti-doping in, in that there. But we've um, got another podcast around anti-doping, which I encourage you to, to listen to as well, and um, where we go into a bit more detail around um, the therapeutic usage ascension um so imogen i'm going to bring this podcast to a close very shortly but um as a coach we've talked about mental health and everything like that but i want to know what do you think sport as itself can have do you think that that can have an impact on people's mental health conditions one of the first questions as i said if you go to see a gp is do you do sport and that is something that they will really take into consideration if you turn around and say no, I don't. That's one of the first things they advise. So sport is a brilliant way to to take yourself into a different place. Like the the hormones that you get when you're doing sports, that they're, they're brilliant for you. So don't don't ever think that sport isn't a positive. Yes, it can be hard because especially when you're going to the elite level. You, you do have nerves, you have anxiety, and those things can be very difficult. And when things don't go to plan, the, the next stages are hard. But if you are working with the right team around you and aware of your mental health, sport is amazing. Sport is really important to give you that strength to kind of step back and come and enjoy it again. Um, I think it's really important that all coaches and parents emphasize the importance of mental health and understanding that there's a reason that we have sports psychologists working with the teams and that's because you can train your body train your mind as well to be able to be in the best position um, and when you are in difficult situations coaches are very aware that there could be heightened difficulties so Sport is great, but make sure that you're comfortable with the team around you and get them to help you and understand you to be able to, to protect your mental health around that. Yeah, thanks, Imogen. I think it's worth also saying, because we touched on a few of the relatively common uh, mental health conditions that you might see in an athlete population. Obviously, athletes are people themselves and are just as... Um, you know likely to suffer with any mental health condition as the general population but there are a few things associated with being a competitive athlete that might um mean certain things are more prominent so things like eating disorders as we've talked about um sometimes anxiety panic attacks and certainly periods of low mood so again these things aren't you know signs of symptoms of those disorders aren't necessarily um indicative of a mental health condition you know everyone is going to struggle with anxiety at times and you know have um thoughts about what they should be eating especially if they're athletes you know they are going to be conscious about their nutrition but what i would just say to parents listening if if they are concerned that they're seeing signs of some of those things in their children is to have a look on the nhs website and read up a bit more in a bit more detail about those things um before making a decision as to whether it it could be a condition worth seeking professional help for. Um, so 
we've talked about the NHS website, the Mind website is brilliant, um, and the Young Minds website, particularly for young people and parents of young people, we definitely recommend having a browse. Great, thank you. Um, so I'm going to bring this podcast to a close very shortly. Um, I know that um, we talked a little bit about um, the different uh, ways that athletes can, when if you feel that an athlete has a mental health condition, what should you, should you do and the referral and something like that in this podcast episode. Um, but yeah, so to, to summarise, so if the parent or carer of a young person is concerned about having that mental health condition, what, what should they do? Yeah, so just to summarise what we've said, I would definitely recommend in the first instance to see your GP if you're comfortable to do that and you can get an appointment. It's always helpful to talk through with a professional. Um, and certainly, you know, if you have concerns, make sure you can communicate those well to the GP so that they understand all the um, symptoms you're seeing. If you're not comfortable with that or if you're not sure uh, a GP is is hearing what you're saying there are the self-referral routes i've talked about via what we call iapt um, so you can google that or you can find it on the parent program resources that dan described and also the sporting mind self-referral route that i spoke about earlier there's lots of brilliant charities um, online that you can get help from so there's shout which is a text service for young people there's young minds we can circulate a list of um, useful helplines and charities and they all have um, online functions which often young people um, can prefer rather than calling helplines but usually they'll have both services available and they can be really helpful for advice. Um, I think it's really good that we've talked today a bit about medication because it's probably been a bit of a taboo um, in the last few years. It's getting better um we see things online oh what's his name the love island guy that's now the mental health ambassador for the government he's set up a really alex yeah dr alex yeah he's um started the post your pill campaign on instagram where he was sharing his antidepressants and that's been a really um helpful thing for breaking the stigma around medication you know he talks about exactly as images describe you know, if someone has an illness and an injury, we will treat them with medicine sometimes. Sometimes that's the best way. And it's the same for mental health. Um, but, you know, I, I would also just encourage parents and young people to be open minded to the treatment options because medication is not necessarily right for everyone. It might not be the first thing that is prescribed as treatment. There are lots of different types of therapies. There are online kind of self-help programs that can be prescribed cognitive behavioral therapy techniques are usually really effective for things like anxiety um so yeah just encourage people to look at what's out there and to be open-minded and i would also say that with certain things um counseling brilliant to be able to talk to someone and i always thought that i'd only go to counseling when i was feeling at my lowest actually now i've found the benefits so much that i go every other week just to stay on top of things um and i and i find it really beneficial and i think that actually for athletes and and kids when they have so much going on having a safe space to go and be able to talk about things mm. is really really helpful so they might not necessarily get all the uh playstation games they might want because some of that money might have to go on counseling but 
it is worth it to be able to have that environment yeah nothing more worth spending money on than your health whether that's physical or mental health yeah. um yeah i just also want to end by by saying that most people who have mental health conditions or who struggle with their mental health um and seek treatment or you know even those who don't necessarily seek professional treatment they will recover from those periods of poor mental health so i know we've gone quite in, in depth about some of the treatment and the support that's out there but i don't I don't want parents to worry that you know that that's um going to be a lifelong thing you know most people recover and will live happy and healthy normal lives um but sometimes people need that extra support and hopefully we've um encouraged people to find that if they need it yeah absolutely and that's a fantastic point to, to end on um yeah it's been a fantastic episode um just kind of summarize what what we talked about here so we we obviously talked about the difference between mental health and, and a mental health condition and how to support those individuals who might have a mental health condition specifically any individuals that, that might be neurodiverse and the steps that a parent or coach could take if they're concerned about a young person or a young person is concerned. Um, so thanks uh, both Imogen and Soph for being involved in today's podcast episode. This podcast is available on the British Canoeing Awarding Body page and it's also available on our Talent Parent Programme webpage on the podcast section of the British Canoeing website. It's also available to listen to on Spotify, Podbean, or Apple podcast channels. Just follow our podcast name, British Canoeing Coaching. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.